Garfield et Jeffin Now for the gin. <laughs> Gin's gonna kick your ass. Oh fuck, dude! All right, here we go. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Yo, what's up, Peters? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Faded Japan. I am your host, Johnny, and I'm Tom Tom Tokyo. That's right. And as you fine folks know, Got Faded Japan is about two dudes, booze, Japan, and the news. Thomas. Thomas, I got to say, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you again, my friend. And um, this is a very special episode because this is episode number 500 and uh, what? 67. 567. Jeez Louise, we are getting up there, man. What are we going to do for episode number 600? I don't know, man, but like for as far as 666 goes, we have to have some kind of devil worship going on, don't we? Oh, 666, dude, we're going to do a helicopter ride around Tokyo. Yeah. And I'm going to push you out the window. Yeah. That doesn't sound do. demonic enough. Okay, there you go. Human sacrifice. That's a little bit better. Well, I mean, we need more Patreon people, dude. We need more people to support the show. So basically, you know, if I, if I sacrifice your life to like Satan, our Lord in prayer, and uh, <laughs> or a guy that's basically driving this ship, uh, yeah, we'll probably get more Patreon people. And that's exactly what we need. And um, actually, today we're praying to Satan because we have three devils with us today. We have the one, the only, the band from Australia, Theron. Theron, welcome to the show, guys. Howdy. Hey, on. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, you guys, it's so good to see you again. Um, I saw you about a year ago when you guys came to Japan and you came for a, what, one-week, two-week tour? And you actually performed at my venue, kind of venue, uh, Nob in Shibuya. And uh, I got to say, your performance was fucking <laughs> 110%. You know how in, um, what was that movie with the, uh, the amps that go to like 11? Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. Spinal Tap. Yeah, well, your band goes to 12, okay? <laughs> oh, man. Fucking Welcome a. to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much for having us. It was, it was a year ago, exactly a year ago in two days. <laughs> what, that show or the tour in general? That show. That show. Oh, okay. You know what's That's really cool. weird? You guys look exactly the same. Yeah, I had a haircut. <laughs> you would not. Me too. <laughs> I, I don't know, Charlie. Uh, Cameron, your hair looks pretty much the same, dude. <laughs> it grew back. Oh, okay. Ned has a bigger beard, though. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We got we got Theron coming up to us live from Australia since we're obviously doing this over Zoom. So, guys, how are things going in Oz? Hot. Yeah. Summer's here out of the two seasons, and uh, yeah. winter didn't last very long. Yeah, we've had our two weeks of winter. Summer is starting. So, uh, starting to get warm. 
Oh, that's insane. Yeah, it's completely opposite to the rest of the world. Oh my God. <laughs> to the rest of the to the, to just, half, just, the world. Just one half the world. <laughs> that's right. I'll show that. So we know who you guys are, but if you could, could you introduce yourselves and the instruments that you perform? All right. Um, I'm Cameron and I play guitar and the the singing and some random other shit sometimes. <laughs> I'm Charlie and I play bass and fall over a lot. That's about it. And I'm Ned. I play drums and the fool. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk to you guys a little bit about your tour. How long were you in Japan for? It was like two weeks, right? Um, it was about eight or nine days. Yeah, eight days. Eight days? Yeah. yeah. Six okay. shows, eight days, two days of travel. Oh. Yeah, one like and a half day. days of travel yeah. and uh, one day of hiding under my bed from the cyclone. <laughs> oh shit, that's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> usually when I interview bands, it's like at the beginning of their tour, but you guys completely, you guys are finished with touring and because of COVID, you're probably not touring all that much right now. So what I really want to know about is how was your tour? How was it? It yeah. was fucking... Successful, good, you make money, was it fun? <laughs> Made money? No, but, <laughs> but, but it was, yes. yeah, definitely fucking fun. It was, it was a really good time. Um, we were, we were really keen to get back there this year, but obviously the plague happened. So, uh, that kind of put a, put a halt on things. What about, what about you guys? You think, you know, uh, the kind of music that comes out of a country, if you're well enough aware of it or listen to a bunch of it but actually going to Japan and being in some of those local gig places, there was nothing that could have prepared us for the caliber of musicians that come out of that place. Yeah, for sure. What else surprised you regarding like the Japanese audience and venues? Uh, probably the mix of people. Uh, I've never been to shows in Australia where someone's been able to turn up wearing their best business attire with their briefcase and their smoke mask on and uh, show up to a grindcore show and just stand at the back going, yeah. <laughs> Not talking to anyone. There wasn't, many, there wasn't much of that. I think one thing that, well, many things stood out to me, but there was one thing that really stood out was one of our shows, um, it, it was a pretty quiet night. I think it was like a Wednesday night or something like that. Um, so there was fuck all people there. We played, because we played two shows in the same venue, like in different nights. First one was pretty like almost full um, and the second one was like almost empty. And then the empty one, there was like, <laughs> there was like five people just standing across the front and we got an encore <laughs> from five people. From five people. In Australia, those five people would be standing around the bar <laughs> with one hand over their ear trying to order another fucking Forex or some shit. <laughs> That's how they roll here. People go deep. Yeah, yeah. it was so enthusiastic. It was good. Especially in Australia, um, smoking regulations are that intense and it's basically swapped the other way around in japan because you can't smoke on the street but you can smoke indoors in australia you can smoke in the street and you can't even smoke within like six meters of a building so i think the very first six show meters we played, jesus yeah it's fucked eh? is it a four um, but i can't i'm just exaggerating um <laughs> so the first show i was yeah up at the front playing and uh the dude directly in front of me was just fucking pulling on a diary the whole time. And I'm like, what planet am I on? It's like the most, it's just like tiny things like that. That was so weird and surreal to see from an audience. Yeah. And that was one of the things that, that really enhanced the experience. A few 
gigs in Australia, you know, people will turn up and see the band that they want to see and then spend the rest of the time out the front smoking or hanging out in the, the, the DOSA or the designated outdoor smoking area, which they legislated as. Um, whereas, in, whereas the tour in Japan, everybody was hanging out inside. If they wanted to have a smoke, they'd go off to anywhere in the room, they'd have it, but they would stay there and they'd be engaged with the whole performance and every band that was there Every, everybody that came in the door stayed and watched every note of every band that played. And there was a, um, you know, a, an extra amount of respect from the audience and an engagement that's, that wasn't, that we don't necessarily get in Australia, which was amazing. Mm. Is there anything else that like, in particular that I don't know, shocked you about like, I don't know, the culture of the people, the crowds or anything else that was exciting or weird or interesting or different? I, I loved the the mix of <clears throat> bands. Like every single night, there would be such an eclectic mix of bands, and it was awesome. Like there was, um, you know, just thinking of one night where we had um, this kind of like groovy sludge duo that was just like bass and drums, and there was some guy playing like a homemade instrument that was like these strings coming from a pole attached to the floor with all these lights and shit doing all this electronica stuff and there was us and then there was like a I don't know like a thrash punk kind of thing happening and then a, a chicken her guitar doing singer songwriter kind of stuff yeah that's right yeah and I was like and our, and our very first the very first show we did there was that guy who was just sitting in the middle of the crowd making noises with pedals it was very avant-garde yeah and then there was that person who broke like smashed their guitar yeah and um, then a bunch of 45 year old dudes well, I gotta, I gotta like raise the age by fifteen years because it's Japan and I can't guess. Yeah, they're like age. sixty. They're like sixty, <laughs> sixty-five, playing like grindcore, which is not a thing you would ever see in Australia. Uh, music scenes and styles are very much assigned to their demographic, and people don't go outside of that. Mm. Yeah, it's just crazy mashup, and it's great. I love it. Which cities did you guys perform in? Uh, we did everything in Tokyo. Um, it was all Tokyo, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. We just went different yeah, we places. To, yeah, we got down to as, as far as, as Yokohama for, for mm -hmm. one show. Two weeks in Tokyo, man, to drive you insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just being in Australia, I'm used to going out my front door and just seeing the sky. And in, in <laughs> Japan, uh, none of us are really small dudes. Uh, we're going everywhere like this because we don't want to step on anyone's toes. I'm the smallest, and I even felt big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it happens uh, try buying clothes here try oh yeah oh, it's bad it's like i'm a bigger dude myself it's bad it's not fun <laughs> well hit us up we'll be able we'll send you guys over some merch <laughs> oh that'd be great that'd be wonderful we are balls deep in covid and i gotta ask you how has covid changed the music scene in australia because australia has an incredible music scene and i know it's been affected it pretty much killed it off entirely at the start. Um, something that isn't talked about by other countries in reference to Australia is how much of a bureaucratical hellhole it can be with uh, health regulations and stuff like that. So pretty much as soon as it happened, everyone was, must stand 1.5 meters apart, mask only. And then when I started no standing, bringing, no standing, sorry. No dancing. No dancing. When they started bringing gigs back, it was all seated you're basically in like 
in like a cubicle with two other people around you. You can't stand up, can't mosh, can't engage with each other really. Uh, so it kind of, it, it cramped it in a way that I don't see going away for at least another six months. Jesus, it's still like that. Yeah, it's, it's just because um, it's, when... it's relaxing a little bit, but it's still, yeah, it's still pretty, pretty tight. I feel like when Australia introduces things like that, it, it takes a long time for them to, to move away as the times change. I feel like it's going to be there for a while, yeah. For sure. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, what Tokyo is doing, not every venue is doing this, but some venues, they're actually, they get these shower curtain sheets that go around the stage. Are you I saw serious? That. I saw yeah, that. yeah, my <laughs> venue is doing that. So pretty much, yeah, so the band is, well, I guess the band can infect themselves, but they can't, yeah. like, infect the audience. However, the audience can infect each other, so it's kind of this weird situation. <laughs> uh, it's elitist, as long as the band's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I got to pay him. I saw that curtain thing from, um, do you remember the name of the band that was the guy who had like the guitar with a million frets and like, oh, um, their bassist wore duct tape? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nihonsu. Nihonsu, those guys. Yeah, I saw some pictures from those guys. They had that, that curtain on the there. Curtain up, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like part of their acting because <laughs> it just looked like a big shower curtain. <laughs> yeah, actually some bars have that. So you walk into a bar and the bar, the bartender is like surrounded by the shower curtain, right? And you just sit down. But the thing is you sit down next to all these people and I'm pretty much you're kind of a little bit further than usual. But I mean, after a couple of drinks, I mean, everybody's like sitting in each other's lap. I mean, it's Tokyo for God's sake, right? <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. What about recording? There's just not a lot of space known anywhere. I mean, yeah. What about recording? So, like, when you guys like record, is it like, are you guys in separate booths or are you guys all together? Because you just recorded an album, which I want to get uh, to in a second, actually. Yeah. Well, we for for us, that's not really a problem because we'd already recorded pretty much everything like years ago. <laughs> um. So a lot of a lot of the more recent parts of the recording have just been done at my house uh, so not a big deal and none of that was during covid so it's all good yeah we were unfortunately in in the situation where we were this album was originally slated for release april may of 2020 and uh you know that the our nuts really got stomped by COVID there, and we just had to put everything on the on the, the back burner for a while. Oh, um, so we we didn't even have any recording to do because we had finished a two nearly three year process of recording this album, um, and so we, we were fortunate enough to be able to have to keep our rehearsal room space and be able to have access to that. Um, so we've we've been able to stay on top of things and keep our chops up. But as far as, as gigging or recording or anything productive outside of rehearsing, uh, it's been pretty much a no-go for us over here. Oh, that sucks. Are any bands touring? So, some. Uh, they're trying. <laughs> There's a few that have yeah. uh, optimistic dates in December and the end of November. But otherwise, yeah. I haven't seen tours. It's, it's really hard to um, do tours around the country because lots of the states are like closed from each other. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. 
so there's restrictions there. So some people are trying to do like little tours within their state and stuff like that. Um, but as far as going like up and down the East Coast or something like that, um, it's not really happening, but people are still trying to book that for like, you know, whenever it is allowed. What about outdoor festivals or fairs? Oh, done. No, none of them. Yeah. Really done? Yeah, there, there's, oh. yeah. yep. there's, there's a festival that I would go to at the end of the year, like every year. Um, and it's been going for like 30 or something years, but this is the first time in forever that they've um, just canceled it. It's not happening this year. Um, and it attracts, you know, like a lot of people. It goes for like a week. Um, but yeah, this year, not a thing. And pretty much all the other festivals are the same. There's a pretty big culture of like ratty bush raves going on <laughs> in, in Australia. And since COVID, it's been completely dead as well, yeah. Oh, man, that sucks, dude. That really sucks, man. The music scene's hit pretty much everywhere. In Japan, small clubs, small venues. Yeah, things are happening and stuff. And I've been to a couple of them. But uh, they're starting to actually pick up a little bit, but pretty much everywhere else. God, that sucks, man. That sucks. I love live music. I live for it. And um, there's so many good bands that are just pretty much just waiting for something to happen. And that just it blows, man. But I mean, I'm very happy that you guys are actually moving forward because you guys just released an album that was supposed to release six months ago, right? <laughs> well, it's not out yet, but it's, it's, it's coming. Um, Three weeks, I think. Yes, it's coming out at the end of the month. Um, but we've, we've put out a song, one song from it so far. <laughs> Which one is but, it? Yeah, things are still happening. Which one? Which track uh, is it? Because I've heard them all. They're all great. Oh, you've listened to it all? Nice. Yeah, is it Through um, the Threshold? Through the Threshold, that's the that's one. That's a great one. Yeah. Can I use that one at the end of this podcast? Is that cool? Because that one's great. No. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go with Charlie on this one All right, thanks Charlie Cameron, you can suck it (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome So, tell us about the album I've heard the whole album, the album's great I've got got a lot of questions about the album Especially about one track Okay (laughs) What do you you want to know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay First off, the whole album is great I mean it's really heavy. It's very mathematical. It's very precise. It's extremely well recorded. I think it's an incredible album. Um, the vocals are minimal, but when you do have vocals, it's appropriate. I really appreciate that. And uh, the one track that I do have a question about is the song, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this one correctly. It's a slante, slante, slantia, slantia. Yeah. Like everything's all hard and rocking, and all of a sudden that track comes on, you're like. Oh fuck! I guess I have my iTunes open or some shit. What's going? Oh wait a second! It's <laughs> <laughs> still there in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you well, tell us well, about well, that? That one. Um, we've we've actually played that one. Well, all the pretty much everything on there is stuff that we've been playing um, live. Uh, not well. So, some of it's been stuff we've been playing live since we started, and some uh, more recent. But um, that one has been around for quite a while. I think the first time we started playing that was around like 2014 or 15. Um, yeah. But that one was one that I actually wrote for a, a funeral of all things. That's um, appropriate. <laughs> Off yeah. to a great start. It's, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it's, it's like a, 
a, a, a celebration of life kind of one, not a, not a, you know, kill me. Everything's yeah, shit the rest of kind celebrating of. death. It's yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like a, a crawling chaos. Uh, it's like a goodbye toast. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it was. It was it was at my, my granddad's uh my granddad's funeral because he's um Irish, so it's an Irish song, you know. Mm. <laughs> I got it. You guys got a Irish Celtic folk music influence that always finds its way into something. It's true. Sooner or later. <laughs> Well, it is pretty dark. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that because I listened to the uh, album as well. And, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, man. I didn't mean to talk over you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go um, for it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, like, I noticed, like, um, what is it? Like, I noticed, a, like, how do you say, a lot of peaks and valleys in this one because, like, there's a lot of, like, softer acoustic stuff and, you know, different, different genres. And you definitely see some folk music in there. I did notice, like, more Celtic stuff, but also there's like there's a lot of metal where you just bring in the thunder. And yeah. any particular reason you you, you, try, you uh, decided to kind of show off that range, or is it just you know you kind of showing off these mu- musicians to say, hey, we're multi talented, we can do other genres, or is that just how you felt? I'm just I just wondered uh, about the thought process for that. Uh, it, it's all about dynamics and contrast, man. Like if if you were to look at at any sort of painting, the the light light shades in one corner make a dark shade in another corner look even darker and so the idea behind having the those peaks and those valleys is they all accentuate one another and you can you can really draw light to to an area that you want to by placing it strategically next to something that's dark and that and that that's the whole point behind it yeah okay that's nicely put (laughs) but also like um i think i don't think it was too much of a like setting out to make it that way from the get-go kind of thing it's kind of just how how we do (laughs) yeah there's there's a uh, a great quote from from frank zappa when somebody asked him about the uh like any sort of method behind his madness and and his answer was anything at any time for absolutely any reason (laughs) <laughs> okay. that, that kind of sums it up a little bit as well well out of all his quotes that's a good one i, I like his quote don't eat the yellow snow watch on where the huskies go remember that one <laughs> good song, it's a dude. classic oh, my, my five-year-old I, I did have one, one more question yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, I did. I did have one more question about, like, uh, I guess the setup of, of the al- uh, album. It seemed to me because I listened to it like basically in order, and it seemed to me like that's the way way you kind of wanted to just like listen to this one like continuous like, I guess hour of an album because like you know those peaks and valleys fa- factor in, but um, also like it seemed like the tracks kind of like gelled together. A lot of them did. A lot of them had kind of similar intros and outros. So I, I'm assuming that was intentional, and you had reasons for that. Um. I'm glad that you felt that they all kind of flowed in together. <laughs> it actually started with a, with a big, like, hour-long conversation. We had them all on a board, and we were just saying, what, yeah. what fucking order do you put this shit in to make yeah. it make any sense? And the answer is, there is no order that makes it make sense. So, yeah, pretty much. So, but Because, like, there, so, uh, <laughs> like, there were some... Some obvi- like I feel like, obviously worked together, like, going into one another... Um, yeah, a couple early tracks were, but good it, was, it was. Yeah, it's it's kind of it was kind of like a, just like a bit of a puzzle, really. 
So like, how, how do we get this, all these songs to go like one into the other in a way that kind of makes sense? Mm -hmm. um, you know, some are obvious, some are not. Um, but after a while, it kind of just found its way into a kind of a logical order, I guess. After we decided on order, Cameron went back and put together little uh, buffers between mm. a few of the songs to make them connect together really well. Okay. So I assume if it okay. sounds like it's supposed to be in that order, he did a pretty good job. Yeah, there, there were some, some to, to a degree, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, I, thought, I thought it was just like something kind of cool that was kind of bonus. It wasn't just like, you know, a, a big bag of tracks. It was just like, you know, there was logical connections yeah. for me, maybe not all of them, but like to a certain degree, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Me too. but that, that's, that's good though, because that's kind of what we wanted. Um, some sort of like, you know, because it is a lot of different shit in there. You want to be able to listen to it and kind of not feel like you're just listening to a compilation album. You know? <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. fair, fair. It's I, don't, I don't know if it was like because of storytelling or something or I don't know, but yeah, go ahead. No, I was, I was just yeah. going to say, it's, no, almost, no, it's no. almost like cooking a big stew. You know, you, we, we had a lot of these ingredients there and then just with time sitting in the pot, we cut, cut everything, it melded together and, and it, it's, its natural order kind of made itself evident and made itself clear. Um, Okay. It wasn't as though we had it. It wasn't as though we had a roadmap that we followed from start to finish, but it was more of an organic process that had evolved as we went along. Well, yeah. I gotta it say was, that better time is cool. one hell of a way to start an album. Ah, uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing on the whole uh, flow of the whole album and stuff. Um, some of the songs we've been playing for like seven years or so, eight. I don't know since we started. Um, and so some of those ones, I feel like we really had a good sense of how we would want them to fit in like the larger picture, you know, cause we'd just been playing them for so long. Um, and then there was like all the newer tracks that we're trying to piece in. Um, so yeah, I, I guess organic was the, the, the word that, that Ned used, which I think was sums it up nice. Awesome, awesome. Okay. You guys have been around since what, 2014? Um, well, we, I think we started playing gigs around 2012, maybe? 2012, so, yeah. yeah. How did you guys get together? How did we get together? <laughs> uh, just through, uh, no, um, uh, there was a, a mutual friend of Cameron's and I's, uh, mine, uh, Milky McShakes is his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cameron went to school with a, a, a gentleman that uh, moved to a different town where I lived and then we became friends and then um, somewhere down the line Cameron and I both moved to Brisbane to study music and uh, we were introduced to one another by a said, said mutual friend and uh, then we kind of just uh, started picking up members along the way uh, during our studies and our uh, our time at music school. Separate music schools, by the way. That's incredible. And you guys yeah, are all from Brisbane. <laughs> None of us are from Brisbane. We're all in Brisbane. Yeah. We all moved to Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? So what's the music scene yeah, like from Brisbane? It, used, it, was, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's weird. Because um, Br Brisbane's a very strange city. Because it doesn't really feel like a city. Um, it's like an oversized town. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know how how would how would you describe the the Brisbane music scene? Me? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's hard because like lots of places it's more of a problem in other cities i think but it, we get a bit of it too but um lots of venues are always opening and closing um and that kind of thing so there's not a lot of places that are like you know long established places for our smaller bands at least there's there's places that are established for big touring bands but as far as smaller bands it's all very um it's always moving around into different places venues are always changing um at least over the years but a difference between Japan and Australia is that you go to a venue in Japan and there'll be six different styles of music in one night. Uh, but in Australia, you go to the metal bar or you go to the punk bar or the indie rock bar, I guess. Yeah. So when those venues themselves don't have a lot of permanence, uh, you find that the style of music that people play is also just as fluid. So in Brisbane, there seems to be a lack of for lack of a better word, heritage in terms of a lot of its music. It all seems to come up out of nowhere and then fade away in a couple of years or three years or something. Yeah. It's, it's very like nebulous kind of, kind of thing. Like the, there's still plenty um, of, of people who do well. They're, they're like, there is a music scene that is obviously working because people make a living off of it. But yeah, it's, it's very kind of nebulous and always kind of changing. Why did the clubs change so often? Like, why did they open up and close down so rapidly? It seems like they're open only for like one, two years or so. Is it just popularity uh, or is it, is there some kind of like a regulation or I don't know, something yeah. like alcohol licenses or something? Yeah. It's, it's got a lot to do with that kind of thing, like regulation um, and yeah, licenses and all that kind of stuff because licenses for, for stuff is just crazy expensive. Um, and health and safety laws you know would require you to pay for more licenses and, and and certain things and if your if your venue has a certain uh setup or a certain capacity that means you have to pay more fees and you know you have to hire a certain amount of security and basically venues just they can't keep it up they they get like a bit of a run and then they kind of just even in my time i've seen two or three guys come in big aspirations, buying a venue, blah, blah, blah. And then two years later, they kind of always just go bankrupt. They, they lose everything and have to sell it off. And then some other guy comes in to try and start the whole process again. Yeah, there's lots of that. There's lots of ditching a place and someone swooping in to try and save it. Yeah. And then falls apart, someone else swoops in. <clears throat> it's kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah, mm. Tokyo things just last forever. Yeah, seems like that. I got yeah. the impression that lots of the places have just been there since, like, we learned how to light fire. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, some places, I mean, they look so modern and so up to date, but the venue and the owners and even the bar staff, they're like, they've been there for like 20 years. <laughs> I mean, the place that I run, oh, that, actually, I don't run it, I don't own it, but the place that I use, Knob, that place has been around since, like, I think it's shows that, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that place oh, has been there for ages and ages and ages, right? And it's always been knob. So, yeah, and the people that work there, they've been there for ages. Everybody's, like, in their 50s, except mm. for me. 
<laughs> it also feels like the people that go there remain the same for a large portion of that time as well. Um, what was the Live Freak in Shinjuku? It was another one we played two shows at. And it mm -hmm. felt like they had like a really consistent core audience that was really keen on everyone that went through there and everyone knew each other. It was really supportive and stuff. Well, that place has been around for a long time as well, I believe. Yeah, since like the 80s. Yeah. 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 I think you've kind of touched on something there, Charlie. There's a, a bit more of a culture of uh, following a certain band or pe people in the Australian music scene will, will head out to see a band that they like and they'll only go to see a core group of like, or four or five bands that are their bands, if that makes sense. Whereas it, it definitely seemed like the, the, the Tokyo scene was more of a, we want to go out and we want to have a good time. Let's go to this venue because we know there will be good music at this venue doesn't matter who's playing there will always be good venue good music at this venue and it, you know that's what people are going out to, that's what they're loyal to the venue rather than the yeah. specific bands themselves it's just kind of a little bit of a a point of difference that i may have picked up on but it depends on the venue but yeah that is really true yeah there's some places where people just religiously go to like in shibuya there's a ruby room did you guys perform at the ruby room no no, next time, next time. Yeah, that place is really cool. Great staff, strong drinks. Jesus Christ, that place has <laughs> got strong drinks. Oh. That place has got a lot of history behind it too as well. It's, it's, it's an interesting venue because I DJ'd there a lot. It's been there yeah, for like it's, it's over 25 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but God, if you order a gin and tonic, it, it's, it's a gin and tonic. It's <laughs> 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 a little bit... But that's that's completely unheard of in most like you know, Japanese man. bars. Most Japanese bars, you get a gin and tonic. It's like a gin and tonic, you know. But in like the Ruby Room, man, those guys, they know how to pour them. Oh God, so many nights I don't remember leaving that place. <laughs> but I remember we're, having we're a good time. Yeah. Were you there when what they were the letting you're good. Keep oh, no, going. Just, <laughs> no, we're talking about Ruby Room, but like yeah, at one point they were letting me bring in Jello shots. We're just giving them out to everybody, bartenders, everybody. And the entire place is fucked. I mean, the bartenders, the staff, like every single person in there. I had that one second or two of sobriety where I looked around and I was like, holy shit, everyone's just fucking drunk, falling over themselves, getting sloppy. And then I just went back to being hammered. I don't, I don't think I remember leaving the place or DJing or anything. But apparently did all of those. Tommy, there's yeah, a it's, point. it's an interesting place. There's a point of time where every time you went to a club, you would bring a bag full of jello shots. And for some yeah. reason, the venues would just let you do it. I remember being to at least two or yeah. three clubs, where all of a sudden you pull on a backpack and you got all these little jello shots with like a saran wrap on top of them. And I'm like, dude, can I get some of these? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're two bucks each, but just take one. And I mean, holy shit, dude, you would get people plastered because all these, especially like these young, really small kids and stuff, they're like, oh, wow, jello shots. And you can't taste the vodka so people are just getting so fucking smashed and shit dude yeah that's that's the truth this motherfucker would bring jello shots everywhere he went for a small amount of time i don't know why you stopped maybe because he had a kid you yeah, want probably you want your kid we're not here to talk about me sorry to, uh, sorry to interject that in there we're not here to talk I, I, about I like about this me. keep keep going <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah well okay like he's talking he's talking about i really that's how time got the kid jello shots yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really, I really only did this at like a couple of events. I did it at my events, of course, because I can do whatever the fuck I want at my events. 
I did it at Ruby Room, and I did it at Ruby Room actually allowed it a couple times, and then they, after a while they said, no, no, you can't do that. Everyone's getting too fucked up, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I did, I, did, I, I did it at Contact, which is a big old fucking club and is, is famous, and like, yeah, we weren't, I wasn't supposed to do that. I, was, I snuck them in because I had a food booth, and I put them in a cooler, and for all the DJs and friends, I was like, hey, you can, you can have some. Yeah, I remember that. That was insane. <clears throat> yeah. This, this actually makes me think of something that we've been wanting to do for a while, but we haven't been able to. Um, so maybe you can help us out. Um, is there any way you know of in Japan that we could do a show and have a barbecue while we, while we play? I was just talking about Australia barbecue in the last episode. Yeah, there's no one. No one here will let us do it. There's a couple of venues I know of, but the only thing is I don't know if they're around. I mean, some of them are like ritzy and nice, and like they'll cost you an arm and a leg. So, so, but 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 there are there are a few like ones that are not bad. But like, dude, I'm sorry, man. I got I had the kid, and I I don't be going out out and about as much. But um, basically, if you get next time you're gonna be here, uh, let me know in advance, and like you know maybe like a month or something. Or maybe or two two months would be better, and I can scout around and I can find out for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure like yeah, if the weather's good, like yeah, you could find something like that. There are rooftop awesome. like rental places and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, I imagine it'd be fun, man. Just throw throw some uh, shrimp on the barbie or what, however you Aussies roll. No one says shrimp here. Sorry, prawns on the prawns on the barbie. Prawns on the barbie. I forgot who I was talking to. <laughs> snags on the barbie. Snags on the barbie. There you go. Snags. Shitty. <laughs> How did Paul, was it, what was that guy's name? Paul Hogan? Was that his name? Crocodile Dundee? How did he get that wrong? Yep. Wait, is he really uh, Australian? Some American producer probably told him to say it. Oh, really? He is Australian, I think. It was part of, a, part of a, a tourist campaign that was aimed at the American audience, and, no, and nobody knew what prawn was in the American audience. So that's why it was scripted. To, uh, the script was changed to throw another shrimp on the barbie to try and get more American tourist dollars into Australia in the eighties. Did it work? Yeah. Well, we're, we're sitting here talking about shrimp right now, aren't we? Yeah, I guess you're right. Huh? <laughs> hey, no, that's true, man. I've been to quite a few Australian barbecues here in Japan, and it's just basically Australian friends having barbecues here. That's what it is, right? It's not a restaurant, not fucking uh, the outback or any of that bullshit, but. Um, yeah, dude, I've been to some barbecues out here, and um, Australian and New Zealand barbecues are fucking incredible, man. I said that fucking um, two episodes ago, and I'll say it again. They are probably the best barbecues I've ever been to. The, the quality of meat, the quantity of meat, and how much everybody drinks is fucking hands down a good time. You can't go wrong. One of the only things we got going for us, if I'm honest. <laughs> every every public holiday, everyone swarms the shops on the Sunday Arvo, and then Monday comes around. No one's got anything to do, so you just get in with your mates and just fucking shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Heap of snags, heap of beers. So wait, all the venues are closed. Well, kind of closed. Not really happening. What about fucking house parties? What about fucking barbecues, playing out there and shit, finding somebody that lives out in the sticks, going out to his place, sitting up there, putting on flyers, going fucking mad old school, and then bringing like all the fucking folks out to this place and then performing there. Collecting cash might be a pain in the butt, but <clears throat> you'll be able to rock and have a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they had police helicopters stopping 
the exact thing that you're talking about. <laughs> no, shit. I know, no, yeah. They, they went heavy on all that restriction shit. Now, they, um, was it Victoria? Oh, people trying to camp. So people who started in the cities would be going out of the cities, setting up camp on a beach somewhere where there's no one around. Them. Bloody police helicopter comes in and tells them to fuck off back to the city. Oh, it makes no God. sense. Do they have like the predator out there? You know, they can see you guys through that <laughs> yeah. anything kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that heat sucks. Vision. Heat vision. Yeah. Oh god. <clears throat> uh, I, I I have kind of heard that from like other like other Aussies. Like how do the, the culture's like it's chill, laid back, you know, have, have some beer with your friends, have a wicked barbecue, whatever. But like the government is very much kind of a nanny state. It depends where you are. But yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a disagreement, my friend. Oh, I don't know about Japan. No. <laughs> uh, what about online concerts? Is that uh, happening? Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, those, those, are, those are happening. Um, we haven't done one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be honest. I kind of think they're kind of boring. You know, you're watching it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're just like, God, you know what? I would love to watch South Park right now. <laughs> You know, it's like switch over to South Park for a little bit and then jump back in. You're like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. They're still jamming. You know, I don't know. It's kind of like watching Johnny. Yeah, I, I, the world. Huh? I, I, I know what you mean about it um, being a bit. I feel like you might as well just record you playing live and then just release it as a video. I, yeah, right. Some J pop and K pop people, what they are doing, which I find is kind of cool, is they have a concert where they perform on stage and they have like maybe three or four cameras that's recording everything live. Right. And then at the end, people can like stream in and send like messages. And then there's like kind of like this maybe one hour long Q and a, which I think is kind of cool. So that's kind of that's different. That's yeah. some incentive, you know, or basically, you know, it's kind of like what we're doing right here, but we didn't see you guys perform. I want to see you guys perform again. You guys are great performers. Thanks. Oh, you, thank you, sir. you asked us to to uh, ham it up. Yeah, you said you said keep people here, boys. We got to keep this going. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, during that event, we had a couple of slow bands, and then I was just like, "Holy shit, people want to dance. People are all fucked up." Because you know, my venue. The thing was my about my venue is is two thousand yen or twenty bucks all you can drink for two hours, sometimes three hours, right? And so people, by the time it's like ten o'clock at night. People want to get fucking crazy. And if like the band that's on decides to play like a bunch of slow songs, people are just like, fuck this. Let's just drink at the bar or let's go. You know, so I got to keep the excitement. So sometimes I throw in a couple of tips. I'm like, dudes, fucking play hard. Just play hard. I don't give a fuck if it's Louie Louie. Just fucking play hard. Please do it. <laughs> and then but you guys fucking, you followed the script and you guys fucking rocked and fucking kept a lot of people there and everybody loved it. Boom. And that's why I want you guys back. That was a great night. Goddamn COVID. Ah, <laughs> uh, Johnny. Back to you, the. Uh, there's the, a um, there's a fair bit of video footage of after that gig of me talking in in a cab with with Charlie on the way home, and I, I think it just sums up the night perfectly. Like, I, I love you, man. I've always loved you. Yeah, I can't, re yeah, I can't remember pants. fucking any of it. Like, you uh, know what, Charlie? You're all right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And and that was the aftermath of that awesome gig. 
No, that's great, man. That's, that's, that makes me happy, dude. And that's another thing about Australia, dude. When you guys come out to Japan, and I've booked, I, I don't know how many Australian bands. I, I think I've booked maybe 15, 15 or 17 Australian bands. And I got to say, you guys know how to party. When there's that 2,000 yen all you can drink, you guys are like, all right, hold my beer because I'm going to get another one. And then hold that beer and then I'm going to get another one. I'm like, dude, no, 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 just drink the beers. It's unlimited. And you guys drink the beers. You guys go fucking balls to the walls, dude. <laughs> always a good time sometimes too much of a good time but always a good time you guys know how to fucking drink and i fucking love that i appreciate that because this is got fit in japan and the, the, the pretty much the theme of the show is two dudes booze japan in the news and uh yeah that's how we roll actually i already drink all my gin i'm calling my better half i'm like yo bring in beer i need more elbow. i just got another beer you just got another beer god damn it you know now that we're all kind of lit we should just do the whole podcast again let's start over this is the warm-up this is the warm-up you know because usually at the beginning we're all a little slow we're like hey man so uh uh tell me about your band oh the band's good uh there's four of us and uh, we all have instruments oh great that's great you know? <laughs> but after about five beers or a cup of gin you're just like oh dude tell me a good story i know you got a good story and uh every band yeah. does have a couple of good stories by the way and we want to hear those stories actually tell us a story tell us a story well, being a Japan one, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Ned has some good stories. He's a good storyteller. But before we get that, but before we get into that, I I was just talking about your the, the show we did at your uh, venue there at Nob. Um, I think one of the best things about that show was we were talking about how we kept getting you know grab another beer, hold that beer, or get another beer. Mm -hmm. Was we need those extra beers to do shoeies. Ah, <laughs> uh, do you, yeah, do you the, remember that? The, the shoey, yeah, Ned, that was you, wasn't that you that did it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Holy shit, I've never seen a shoey before, and that was that. Yeah, you guys know how to party, disgusting. <laughs> but, you had 15 well, Australian bands in there, I'm surprised you didn't see it earlier. No, no, my no. favorite thing about that was like, I, I was just watching people's faces while that was happening, <laughs> and it was just. just there's this couple of uh, Japanese girls just at the front that were like, you know, clapping and like loving the whole thing. And then as soon as Ned started downing his beer out of a shoe, they were kind of like, they, they, hid their, they hid their eyes in their face. They like, could, they couldn't stand to look at it. It was actually weird. Like gagging. Like, ah. yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. I've never seen that before. You know, I booked Frankenbach. Do you guys know Frankenbach? Yeah, oh. yeah man. Yeah. We had Frankenbach, and, and that was pretty twisted. They, that band was so fucking insane. They broke one of their guitars, and they were so drunk that they thought I broke one of their guitars. And I was like, no, dude, you're the one that broke the guitar. Yeah, and it became this kind of like situation that it, it solved itself. But yeah, yeah, that 2,000 yen all you can drink is kind of a bad idea now that I think about it. <laughs> it's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. I like that deal, Australian. man. I get fucked. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love it too. I, I take advantage of it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. I have a distinct memory of Johnny being like, come on, guys, have fun, get the drinks, come on, have another one. And then we came over and we were having a chat to him as we were all going home. And he's like, yeah, you guys are fucked up. Like, we, <laughs> we asked, you told us to. We're simply delivering. We just no, do what we were told. You guys, did. you guys did. You delivered well. You delivered well. Every single Australian band that's come, that's performed on my stage has always been great, except for that one. No, I'm joking. They've all been great. I want to hear more about like crazy rocker stories. Anything like wild or fucked up or any dirty, dirty sex or just, you know, fucking 
debauchery or grossness. Like, <laughs> come on, like any, any band that's been touring has got like you know a couple good ones. Anything else like wild you want to tell us? We we live for this shit. No, wow. putting us on the spot for this one now. What do you got, Ned? I feel like Ryan would be a good one for this one. He he always has the fucked <laughs> oh, up stories. Um, Ryan's pants fell down. <laughs> um, uh, where were we? Where was that? Shinjuku. It was somewhere where there was a a lady of the night handing out pamphlets on a street corner. That's Shinjuku. Um, but the lady of the night wasn't. It wasn't totally a lady of the night. If you if you if you know what I mean. It was yeah. a dude uh, of the night. So, yeah, something like that. Uh, so, this chick came up and was giving Ryan a, a pamphlet. And at that point, Ryan's pants decided to uh, break at the waist and fall down in front of this escort. Well, I, 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 and, I have uh, to ask, was this, was, was this an accident? Was this on purpose? Was this accidentally on purpose or what? What's going on here? Whoops, my we pants don't know. Down. But the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> but but after the show we played that night, Ryan's only uh, solution to holding his pants up was he had a guitar lead and tied it around his waist. Um, and then after the show, we went back into the green room and there were these two Japanese dudes from one of the other bands that was playing. And they were like, oh, really excited to talk to us. And like, yes, yes. And then uh, they pointed at Ryan's... Uh, cable around his pants and was just like what why 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 are you doing that uh and ryan was having like a weird night or something and there's something about our accent we have to reduce it a lot so japanese people can understand us when we're speaking english so uh instead of explaining what had happened ryan launched her into like a full-on ocker aussie rant oh Saw this bloody tranny prostitute down the side of the road. Got a huge fucking boner and my pants blew off. <laughs> Fuck off. It's just, and these two Japanese guys were standing in front of him just going, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> and I was crying with We thought you needed money. Some shit. <laughs> yeah. See, this is, this is stuff you should no be recording, man, for, for some of your documentaries. Just like, you know, fucking Ryan beacon off <laughs> and their reaction like, oh, hi, 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 oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one thing about the bands. All the bands that I book, almost none of them record anything. I have to tell the bands, I'm like, record everything. You won't remember anything. <laughs> we, we try to record. Um, we sometimes forget. It's, it's this, it's a different thing and i feel like americans and japanese people when something goes on they get out their phone they immediately have to record it but oh yeah to most australians it doesn't seem to cross our mind i'm not sure why we're, we're less connected or something less connected to us that's probably a good thing that's probably a good thing but actually i mean your performances are great so i mean mm. the next time you come to japan i mean i i think you guys should definitely record every single thing that you do because that's another thing when bands come to japan just weird shit happens you know like you know you see it it we recorded a lot of it but yeah yeah that's like there there was a a little bar that was around the corner from where we were staying that we went into like pretty much every night i feel like every time we went in there that was an adventure yeah there was that one where ned invaded it in his underwear and um (laughs) and like to to, to annoy charlie well what what happened was was every night we'd get home from from a gig and then 
you know, Cameron and Charlie would head on down to this bar and spend the whole night there drinking. And then the next day they come over and they put a downer on my morning because I'm a morning person. I'm a I'm the boring dad of the group. I get up early and cook breakfast and hang out. And had to be quiet because these guys were hung over in the lounge room. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go down there and embarrass the fuck out of Charlie. <laughs> so I took all my clothes off, except my underwear, because I didn't really want to get arrested or anything, and then just went in and grabbed a challenge from the bar. <laughs> but my favorite I, thing I about that was that they... nice about it. Yeah, and my favorite thing about that was that they only told you to go put a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the brightness here. <laughs> Can you please leave and put a, a shirt on, you giant hairy bastard? <laughs> I, what neighborhood was this? <laughs> Kawasaki? Uh, Gotanda. Oh, Gotanda. Oh, Gotanda. Oh, Gotanda is a, a pretty dirty place, if I'm being honest. Well, west of the station. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, my God. We what in Gotanda, but we're like right near it. Oh, my God. All the lights are red over there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's yeah, awesome. you, you, all it takes is a block or two away from the station, man. It's a, it's a, it's all fucking red. Yeah, yeah, you're in Oz. Oh my god, but the different kind of Oz, you know what I'm saying? But um, <laughs> I got to ask you guys, tour tips. So you guys have toured quite a bit, and if and a lot of people listen to this podcast, and a lot of people like are in bands that listen to this podcast, and they want to tour, they want to come to Japan, they want to go to other countries and stuff. What kind of tips can you give these guys that will help them out? Don't get drunk every night. Stop being a rock star. Nobody cares. Drink water and go to bed at 9 p.m. Boring. Also, don't listen to Charlie. <laughs> 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 do it some nights. Just not all, not every night. Yeah, do it, do it plenty. But just yeah, maybe give yourself like at least a night or two to just like fucking relax. Um, yeah, do that. I, I almost died. I got three big tips. <laughs> Here's the three, three hot tips for anybody who wants to do it. Get yourself a foldable trolley with wheels for all of your gear. <laughs> carry your shit around. Something you can still carry upstairs at a train station or get onto a train easy enough, but something you can carry your stuff decent distances when walking. Number two, cook your breakfasts and eat your breakfast in-house. Spend your money on lunch and dinner and booze. Save money on breakfast and eat breakfast, a big one. And then number three, plenty of spare underwear. Because yeah, it happens. Shit happens? It sure does. I love it. I Especially love with it. a lot of raw food, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, think it's the I think it's the booze, but who, who knows, really? Uh, taking a Charles Bukowski. I think it's Johnny's three-hour shit fight for 2,000 yen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's insane. That's insane. All right, guys. Well, oh, before we move on to uh, the news, I got to ask, how can people find out about your band and how can they get your new CD? Right. Uh, so you can find us on Bandcamp, which is where most of the stuff is. Um, so that's uh, therein music one word dot bandcamp dot com, and from there, um, all our music's on there. You can order everything there. That's where the shop is, and you can also listen to stuff there. 
Um, and all our links to, you know, Facebook and YouTube and that kind of stuff should be on Bandcamp as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. So sort of use that to find everything else. Okay, cool. And all that stuff is going to be in the show notes, faders. So if you just go down to the show notes and you can click on those links and that will take you directly to Theron. You guys, thank you so much, man. All right, we're going to take a little break. And then when we get back, we're going to get back into the news. Thank you. Also, we need to restock on drinks, right? Yeah, definitely. I need more beer. I need a yeah, beer. I drink a I fucking we all beer. do. All right. All right. <clears throat> Ace. A beer is more beer. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azabujuban. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right. Over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need. And of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five-minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Hey, yo, what's up, faders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepa. Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. 
These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each and they're worth so much more. These, are, these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool, that's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. If you're going to get your fade on, you got to get your fade on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing, it comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your fade on in style. Proper. And we are back, faders. And um, God, I got to say, Theron, you guys are fucking incredible, man. I am so happy that you guys are here. It's so good to hang out with you guys one year later. And hopefully, we can get you guys back to Japan within six months. Hopefully, maybe, what, three months, maybe? I don't know how the regulations in Japan are going, but they're loosening up a little bit. But as soon as they loosen up, you guys are on my stage. Hell yeah. Good. We, we want to we wanna come back. Awesome. Well, Japan loves you. And um, we, I got fed of Japan, love the news. And uh, we've got three stories that you guys are going to read. And me and Tom, we got some good stories. So, Faders, right now we're going to do the top five with five people. This hasn't been done in a long, long time. So, without further ado, Cameron, could you please read your first story? Sure. So, this one. Aichi man arrested for stealing 70,000 yen in toy money left in a safe as bait. Over the years, we've reported on numerous cases involving criminals passing off toy money as the real thing. That's because a unique feature of Japan is that many of its stores offer novelty cash that's very close, that very closely resembles the real thing. The incidents happen frequently enough that it makes one wonder why they're allowed to be sold in the first place. Perhaps it's because these phony bills not only bring enjoyment to fiscal-minded children, but can actually be used to prevent crime even more effectively than they can, they can to commit them. That was a weird sentence. For example, on September 29, Aichi Pre- Prefectural Police arrested 42-year-old Asa- Asahi. What a fucking good name. Asahi Shimizu for the burglary of a 78-year-old woman's home. He is currently accused of stealing 70,000 yen from a safe. All of it's fake. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. It all, started, <laughs> it all started last June when the woman awoke to find that 220,000 yen in real cash had been stolen from the safe in her Nishio City home. A lot of people in her situation would have forgiven for falling into a state of despair and fear from someone invading the home and taking a sizable chunk of cash. But that wasn't the case with this woman. 
Rather than just lament her loss, she began to craft a plan to catch the burglar if he ever tried to pull something with her again. First, she installed a hidden camera pointing directly in front of the safe. Then she took a bank envelope and stuffed it with seven toy 10,000 yen bills. After that, she just sat back and waited for the thief to do his thing. It didn't take long either. The following month, the woman's funny money was funny money. Okay. <laughs> the woman's funny money was, was gone and the surveillance footage revealed the culprit. The video shows the suspect picking up the envelope and inspecting its contents. However, it must have been too dark for him to notice that toy bank written in big letters was written across each bill. <laughs> Although his face was concealed by a long cloth, his distinctive beer gut and ill-feeling fitting clothes must have, allowed police, but <laughs> must have allowed police to track him using street cameras. Eventually, they were able to identify the suspect and make the arrest a few months later. Shimizu currently denies the charges but police are investigating to find evidence linking him to the June theft of actual money. With Japan's increasingly aged population, many scammers and thieves view the elderly as easy pickings, but it's worth noting that not everyone gets slower with age. Some people just get more unflinching. Oh, that's a heartwarming story. Yeah, I feel good. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one to start off, man. (laughs) Cameron, thanks for that. Charlie, that's that's excellent. I thought we were talking about it. Do I have to start now? Oh, are we talking about it? Or are we just going to go straight <laughs> on to the next one? Do you think the safe said Toys Safe on it? That's <laughs> <laughs> your price, right? Yeah, right. That's uh, your price. Code was zero, 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 zero. Do you think he tried to spend the money? How come nobody's taking this money? <laughs> trying to buy a few few beers at the family mart. No. <laughs> yeah. Don't want it. That sucks. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, dude. Okay. Didn't, didn't last year we had somebody tried to tried to buy cigarettes from a convenience store using money <laughs> that was like meant for the dead. Remember that one last year? What? <laughs> the dead one. Yeah. Yeah. They have they have like special money that's like how do you say it's it's an offering for the dead for like so they can spend it in the afterlife that you oh, you, get, you, you leave a grave. Money. Yeah. Yeah. It's obvi- it's obviously not worth worth any money in you know on this plane of existence, but. Somebody actually, you know, pilfered some, which is like, you know, obviously a big no-no because it's supposed to be bad karma and like tried to spend it. Yeah. yeah. Of course, of course he got busted because he's a moron. But if you're in heaven or hell and you spend that money, do you go to like ghost jail because it's counterfeit? Yes. (laughs) 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 Only only in heaven. (laughs) Hell, it's it's legal tender. That's true. In hell, you get arrested (laughs) for buying things legally. Oh, man. All right, Charlie, your turn, man. Give her a go. This is my first one. Uh, I've not read it, so my reaction will be genuine. I haven't read the other one. (laughs) We all know the cliche excuse when someone is caught red-handed stealing something. I was just borrowing it. Oh, sorry. Well, that's the cliffhanger. (laughs) Fukuoka man cleared effects charges because he was only borrowing victim's bike. However, according to a judgment in Fukuoka District Court on September 8th, 28th, an interesting legal precedent was set when a man was found not guilty of theft after, after successfully demonstrating that he was just repeatedly borrowing a bicycle without permission from the parking area of a housing complex. Makes sense. On June 8th, the 24-year-old suspect was riding a bike when he was stopped by police for routine questioning. Upon learning that the bicycle didn't belong to the man, the officer arrest, arrested him for theft 
Since the man was currently on parole for a previous theft charge, this charge would likely result in heavy penalties. In the ensuing trial, the man explained that after being released from prison, he moved into the housing complex in question and noticed an unlocked bike in its parking area. So he would use the bike to get to the supermarket or convenience store, usually for about an hour at a time, and always put it back where he found it. At the time he was stopped for questioning, the man had been using the bike for about 12 hours. Still, the judge ruled that on the basis of his previous usage, half a day was not beyond the scope of borrowing. That is a weird legal precedent that there is now a definition, like the scope of borrowing is just a hilarious sentence to me. That is pretty weird. Tom used to do that with cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, well, can you, can you imagine just walking over to somebody's house? Hey, uh, you mind if I borrow your wife for a couple hours? It's, it's, it's totally cool, right? It's legal. It's only for half a day. Yeah, it's totally legal, right? <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with this. It's just quote unquote borrowing. As long as she's only washing the dishes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh man all right that's crazy dude or only half a day too yeah <laughs> only half a day man you, you think a convicted felon though can convicted thief would have got the book thrown at him you would have got, got back to the clinker right but nah man yeah that's crazy tom are there any like apartment buildings that have like community bicycles i've never heard of this uh no it's not really a thing although like the, the park i have that there's bicycles you, you can rent have you seen those oh yeah yeah the rental of bike, e-bikes yeah. You can also, yeah yeah um they're actually not terrible but uh not as far as i know although there could be you, you never know that's like because i don't know because like the economy is kind of shit in this day and age i think uh, a lot of places are trying to be competitive they're trying to think a little gimmicks to, you know get people in there Rent a place, get a bike. Yeah, makes sense. There you go. It's <laughs> so, so, so not a bad gimmick, right? Mm. Do, do, do you guys have the, uh, the Lime Scooters? The what? Have you had a Lime Scooters? Lime Scooter. It's like... Um, oh, no, no. Yeah, the, J- Japan said no fucking way because like they don't want it. Basically, it's too crowded and they don't want those cluttering up the streets. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I've heard like yeah. other cases that yeah, people are just, you know, they use them, they just chuck them anywhere. Yeah, but there are people using electronic scooters more often. I see there's a couple of guys in my neighborhood that I see scooting around and shit, and I just kind of want to push them over. <laughs> yeah, Do I know, it. I know. Those things are lame, man. Film it. Yeah, the, the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah, they go kind of fast, too. It's incredible how fast they go. I don't Some know, man. pictures in Brisbane of about 45 of them ending up in the fucking river. People are just throwing them there for fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are they waterproof? Probably not. No. Oh, no. <laughs> you think that they should be waterproof? I mean, with uh, you know, it rains in Australia, so I mean, they should be waterproof, right? Sometimes rains. Oh man! All right, next story, Ned. I think it's your turn. Alrighty, we've got one written by Casey Basile on the thirtieth of September, twenty twenty, titled. Man travels 100 kilometers in middle of the night in Japan to punch another dude in the throat. I would I like 100 kilometers, <laughs> and I wait. That's that's an Australian band, right? <laughs> They're Scottish. Is it Scottish? Oh, yeah. I was way off. No, they might as well be Australian. No, yeah. oh, no, no, no. Over We like them. <laughs> All right. But you know, as as you can 
probably suspect the next line says, suspicion that girlfriend was cheating on him promoted late night road trip. Oh shit, man. So this guy's motivated. In every young man's life, there comes a point when he has to ask himself how far he'd go for the sake of love. Usually, that's a metaphorical question. But last weekend, one 24-year-old Japanese man gave an answer in physical distance. Though you could probably easily make the argument that his gesture was less to do with true love than it did violent vengeance. The man who would call Taro and his girlfriend had set their smartphones to display each other's GPS locations via an app. Sometime late last Saturday night slash early Sunday morning, Taro, who lives in the town of Komatsushumi, whipped out his phone to check up on his lady and noticed that she was near a hotel in the city of Himeji. Thinking she might be fooling around on him, he decided to head to Himeji and see what was going on. And when he arrived, he found his girlfriend with a 21-year-old man from the city of Tatsuno. To recap the geography, you might already know Himeji, which is on the Hyogo Prefecture, since its castle is one of the most famous sightseeing destinations in Japan. Tatsuno is in Hyogo too, right next to Himeji. Komatsushima, though, it is another prefecture entirely. Tokushima, as a matter of fact, why did I pick the one that's got so many words that I've never read before? Komatsushima and Himeji haven't even the same island of Japan. Himeji is on the main island of Honshu, while Tokumatsushima is across the Sito Island in the Shikokuya. From Taro's home okay. to the parking structure where he confronted his anonymous rival is reportedly about 100 kilometers, which is a long drive to do in the middle of the night. But Taro still arrived with enough energy to get a verbal altercation with the other man and punch him in the neck. Although the blow didn't cause serious injury, he was still arrested by the officers from Hyogo Prefecture Police Department, Himeji Precinct, on assault charges at roughly 2.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Ah, man, I wish he'd like ripped his throat out Sub-Zero style or something. There <laughs> you fucking go, getting on Mortal Kombat on him. <laughs> Mortal Kombat! That's that game. Get over here! Ah. No, after oh, after a hundred kilometers, he, I'd be pooped. He, he I'm like, drove a hundred kilometers, man. You, you, I, no, I, I, I completely agree with Ned. I see what he's saying because hundred kilometers in Australia is like no, going to the shop. I, I completely see what. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, man drives seven hundred. they don't really drive that often, especially morning. But yeah, but <laughs> there you go. All these style, right? So I feel like it hits him with a boomerang or something. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like for that to make a headline in Australia, he'd have to yeah go like seven hundred and fifty yeah. kilometers before they'd even care. Yeah, Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, he swims to Tasmania. Yeah, he has to cross, cross the ocean. Man in the nuts. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. It's crazy that he punched him in the neck. Was it? The, was the guy taller? Say, I'm fucking That's get- what I'm guessing, man. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Getting punched in the neck sucks, dude. I've never been punched in the neck, dude. I've been punched in the face, but not in the neck. Oh, God, dude. That's got to really suck, suck, especially if he, like, nails the uh, Adam's apple right there. Pow! 
Dude, that can actually kill someone if you hit them hard enough. That can fucking crush everything. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, maybe that was the point. It's pretty hardcore. It'll it'll drop somebody. It was the point. It was probably the point. He's like, I fucking just traveled 100 kilometers, motherfucker. Bam! Knocks that guy Adam's apple. Bing, 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 bing. That Adam's apple is rolling around. It's like a fucking ping pong ball. No, no, Johnny, I think you're onto something, though, because like he, he traveled a fucking 100 kilometers, right? He he was obviously fucking tired, so if he's going to punch somebody, he had to give him the one-hitter quitter, right? He doesn't want to, like, a prolonged, like, battle because he's tired from driving 100 kilometers. So he he's, was like, bam, throw a punch, down. And you got to yeah. consider, too, he's got to drive another 100 kilometers to get back home, so you don't want to fuck around. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you're right, you're right, but I think, I think he gets to... Uh, Take a pit stop in you know the local jail jail cell. So <laughs> he, he does get that. Yeah, he gets to rest up. One punch and then left. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he has plenty of time to run through all of the old Steven Seagal and Bruce Willis movies in the back of his mind on that drive. <laughs> and he's like, now where are the most effective punches? And I, I'd like to think he's got an Excel sheet where he's tracked all of the. Uh, yeah, the effective punches in those Steven Seagal movies, and he's he's run a um a, a quantitative analysis on on that data, and then he's he's got to his point 100 kilometers down the road and gone. Yes, the answer is punch to the fucking throat. Bam. One is done. Take that for cheating on me. I, I think Ned's onto something. I, I gotta ask you. Okay, you guys are a band. What song do you think he was listening to over and over and over and over again on his 100-kilometer trip to that city? I have a smashed face by Cannibal Corpse. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was actually going to say Cannibal Corpse, man. Maybe <laughs> Something like, uh, ain't nothing going to break my stride. Ain't nothing going to hold me down. Oh, no. I'm going to punch you in the throat, cunt. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh god oh dude uh charlie what do you think i said he was listening to that baby shark song just the fucking <laughs> fucking fucking angry so he had some rage to work out when he got there baby that's what i do baby sharks oh man that's incredible all right so all right the one and done uh tom you mind if i go next uh, yeah, you can go next because we, we got a little theme going. I'm like, it means if I go last, I was in with a happy article and in on a positive note. And trust me, my article is going to have a happy ending. So go for it, Johnny. You know, well, oh I, I think I know which article you're going to read. So I think my article. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I said that. Yeah, I said that. I'm knowing. I'm pretty sure you do. But go, go for it, Johnny. It's all you. Bam. You got the floor. Okay. Let's see here. <clears throat> Um, Tom, have you ever been to an orgy? <laughs> yep. Sure have. Really? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Correct right. answer. All right, cool. Did you go to an orgy in Japan? Tom's disconnected. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> No, there, there, there was no. Unfortunately, there was one. There's one I missed, man, that I, I got invited to, and I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be an orgy. It just happened to turn into an orgy. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm still kind of broke up about that. 
because there are some very attractive French ladies there that I would like to, you know. Okay. <laughs> Thank God we're getting this all on tape. Okay, here we go. <laughs> all participants in Osaka Orgy Party arrested. Back in early August, Yoshihiro Murakami, a 62-year-old resident of Osaka's Shimanochi neighborhood, invited a group of people over to his home. Well, there's no crime there. As a no thought- crime in that. No thought. Yeah, no problem. As a thoughtful host, he also had some entertainment planned. Parcheesi, poker, you know, a little Monopoly. <laughs> Just joking. <clears throat> the gathering was the latest orgy party organized by Murakami and his naked shindigs guest list consists of seven people, five men in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and two women in their 30s. That's probably about right. 50s, 60s, 30s. You know, people that do orgies are usually a little bit older, but uh, yeah, kind of gross, but cool. And they're 60s, man. Like, ho hope uh, Grandpa was popping Viagra, man, so he could rock it all night. Dude, this is Japan. Viagra came from Japan, man. While there's no law against a group of consulting adults going straight from nice to meet you to let's get it on, bitches, in Japan, there is a law about saying, sure, as long as you pay me first, motherfucker. Murakami assembled the orgy group through an adult website he runs, collecting approximately 15,000 yen from each of the men. The women, meanwhile, didn't have to pay anything and were instead paid from the money collected from the guys. Oh, there are hookers. Duh. With Murakami also getting a cut of the cash. Of course, he's the pimp. He also reportedly... in. He also reportedly interviewed a male applicants before allowing them to attend, though it's unclear whether this was an attempt to gauge how discreet they would be or because he was trying to weed out the potential problematic, <clears throat> problematic participants. Oh, my God. I can't read, dude. I'm too fucking drunk. <laughs> Come on, Johnny. You can do it. <laughs> Fuck you, Johnny. I've read this article before. You're almost done. You're almost done. You can do it, Johnny. No, I am done, motherfucker. So I'm done. So, okay, I got to ask you guys, what do you think his interview was like? Do you think he sat down and said, okay, gentlemen, anal with turtles, is that a green light or a red light? Obviously, I think that was the first question he asked. I think it's Japan. It was, very, it was very formal. They went out to a nice barbecue restaurant. They got some very expensive sake. Yep. And they, they, they talked it out like gentlemen. Probably. What kind of questions do you think they asked? <laughs> I, I was gonna say man like I, I was thinking more something along the lines of okay tell me whether or not you agree or disagree with this statement cinches get stitches agree or disagree he's having orgies he doesn't want him to rat him out and obviously the ladies have been you know paid for their time so that is technically an illegal business. So, you know, he doesn't, he just, it, dude just wants to make his money as a pimp and not get busted. That's what I'm that, saying, man. That is definitely, that's, that's the first question he asked. Oh my God. So, how much do you think he paid these girls? If you got like five guys showing up and they're all paying like, I imagine 150 bucks. I mean, what, 300 bucks each? That's kind of shit. Yeah, that's, that's, that sound about right. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, cause remember, they're, they're not ser just servicing one. Yeah. Well, keep in mind that they're not just servicing one guy. This is like a prolonged orgy where they're getting, you know, plugged by multiple guys. So, like, I, I would hope they charged a reasonable amount for that, at least a couple hundred bucks, right? 
Well, that also, I mean, if not, they're just playing doing it wrong. But I mean, then again, I mean, right for prostitutes, you know, in Tokyo and Osaka, I mean, thirty years old is kind of old, right? No, no, not really, because no, actually, that was a test. (laughs) All of you guys have fucked a prostitute. No, I watched a documentary, and there's plenty of there's plenty of women that are do, like doing prostitution like into their fifties in Japan, and they just like they basically said they just like when they when they're at certain age groups they just play a different character. That's it. Oh my god, that's insane. What age do you have to be to play Minnie Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fifty. Start with a real kinky. Fifty. <laughs> Minnie Mouse. What Cameron's really asking is how much does he have to pay to fuck somebody dressed up as Minnie Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> so you're the guy who got banned from Tokyo Disneyland. <laughs> just, just curious about what the age brackets are for different characters, you know? Like, how old do you think uh, you have to the, be? The, the documentary I saw, it's like, obviously, y- younger girls in their 20 tend to play the cute little innocent girl, the quote-unquote schoolgirl. By the documentary, that, he means last weekend. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, he's, he keeps looking to the side. By, by, documentary, documentary. by documentary, he means Pornhub. Yeah, <laughs> I did a lot of research into this one. No, th- then you got, like, you know, the fucking the cool party chick in their 20s and maybe into the 30s that's just, like, you know, the cool happening chick. It's kind of wild. Then, like, in, into the 30s and possibly the 40s, it's, like, you know, the kind of milk, like, you know, the, the kind mother next door. And after that, like, yeah, I guess there's fetish for old, older women. Yeah, they're called gilfs. That's the... Yeah, gilfs. Yeah, gilf pussy. They can't... Hey, hey, don't knock them. Those ladies are professional. They bring their own lube. <laughs> I'm walking around. It takes one to know one. oh oh god all right all right so i know what story you're doing tom and i know my story i know you i know you'd know this but uh yeah johnny so i guess since uh i think this is perfect order to fucking chain this story this story to your last story because like your last story it had some excitement going on but you know this uh this orgy got cockpocked by the cops so there wasn't a happy ending now, let me tell you about the real happy ending. Let me tell you, and we had Minnie Mouse come up as well. Let me All tell right. you about the Disneyland for adults in Japan that's opening up. Ooh, Entire building nice. of restaurants and bars staffed by Japanese adult film actors is to open in Tokyo. SOD Land, Tokyo Kabuki Cho. And Johnny, would you care to tell our fine viewers, our fine faders about uh, Kabuki Cho if we haven't talked about it 10 million times? Kabuki Joe is a section of Shinjuku, which is infamous for being the ultimate red light district. Now, the thing is, it used to be a really dark, seedy red light district, especially about 20 years ago. Now, it's kind of like Candyland. You know, there's a, there's a couple of Starbucks there. There's a Krispy Kreme. There's a, uh, a big movie theater that plays all sorts of, like, Disney movies and shit. So, it's kind of... Don't forget that Godzilla. Yep, there's a Godzilla there too. But the thing is, though, there are some elements that still kind of linger of the dark underworld and underbelly of Shinjuku's past. Tom, read on. Oh. Oh. 
Yeah, so we got SOD. Uh, SOD stands for Soft On Demand. They're by far like the largest uh, producer of uh, adult film videos in Japan. And uh, actually, despite being the largest company, like actually a lot of their stuff is kind of like just really plain, plain vanilla porn. Just like, you know, it's just kind of higher concept with a high budget. And nice definitely equipment. high budget. Yeah, definitely very high budget. You can tell. Uh, all right, here we go. Soft On Demand says it's five floor complex will be a quote unquote theme park for adults. Multi-floor buildings packed from top to bottom with different restaurants, pubs, and bars are characteristic in part, this part of Japan's city centers. And nowhere will you find as many as in Tokyo's Shinjuku district. So ordinarily, SOD land, a new complex of that type, opening up in the neighborhood might not attract too much attention. But it's a different story since SOD land stands for soft on Japan. <laughs> that was a Herodian clip. Yeah. Soft on demand. Japan's most prominent adult video film production and distribution company. A couple of years ago, Soft on Demand decided to try something different. They rented out a small shop space in Akihabara, converted it into a casual bar, and staffed it with a rotating roster of fully clothed adult film actresses who had appeared in SOD productions. The bar, bar turned out to be a huge hit, inspiring a second location in the, the Nakano neighborhood. And now Soft On Demand will uh, well accustomed to the phenomenon that excitement makes things much, much bigger, is readying to launch its most ambitious drinking and dining venture yet with the five floor SOD land in Shinjuku's Kabukicho nightlife quarter. Each floor will feature a different theme. The first floor is primarily for guidance and settling your bill, although there's also a gift shop sticker booth picture and gotcha capsule machines because you got to have those down in the basement you will find the new adult film actress floor is where you'll find the sod fresh face female employee pub staffed by waitresses whose sod debuts are upcoming or just happened recently serving food and drink in a casual standing bar environment up on the second floor is the kakubutsu salon where customers can drink with women work in the fuzoku industry, aka the sex industry, which encompasses hostess bars, erotic massage, and other entertainment services of a risque nature. The third floor will be the famous adult actress floor, which swings back and back to Soft and Demand's core business with the presence of the company's major on-screen talent offering, in SOD words, a space of dreams, or sorry, let me quote this, a quote, a space of dreams where you can become friends with famous adult actresses while drinking in the Tom. Cheyenne bar. Tom. Yes. Two words. Field up. trip. Field trip. You think so? <laughs> yes, dude. Absolutely. I can talk to some people and stuff. We probably got some friends that probably work there and stuff, dude. I got to say, it's got to be a gut fitted Japan field trip. We should show up with our microphones in one hand and our wallets in the other. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think something else might be in my other hand, but you know, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> why not? Do they do shows? Uh, no, no, no. I agree. I agree with you, dude. We absolutely have to fucking go, man, because this, this, uh, this would be interesting, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So every floor is completely different, and every bar on each floor is completely different. So probably like one bar, they got the gilf, they got the milf. 
They got the Dilf, the Ilf. They got all the ifs, ilfs, and what, uh, whatnot, dude. It's got to be insane over there, dude. Do you think like the, the higher you go on each floor, it's more expensive? Because as you said, the, yeah. the bottom floor is like an amateur floor. An amateur is, I mean, come on, yeah. there's a dozen, right? No, 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 they're not amateurs. The, the newbies. They're the, they're the, yeah, the newbies. Um, That's what you want to see. The way it's sectioned off. Well, it, oh. Yeah, there you go. Get a cheap, get a cheaper deal with younger act actresses, right? Well, I mean, cheaper deal on your drinks, you mean, right? Yeah. Yes, oh, yes, no. I totally meant drinks. How did I not mention that before? Oh my God! So, if you're drinking alone with one of these girls, that's just you know drinking at a bar. But if you're drinking with a bunch of people with one of these girls, would that be called the orgy bar? I don't know. I don't know, dude. Like, basically, like, they've done this weird Japanese thing where, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, just to get a little bit serious, they've done this weird Japanese thing where, like, it's divide the entire place is basically divided by rank and not by fetish, which you think in the Western style, like, you just, like, chop it up by fetishes, right? But right. no, I'm assuming they have, if, you, if you've got specific fetishes, this is supposed to be an entire building. So I'm assuming there are different re restaurants on each floor that there are bars or whatever, they cater to different kind of fetishes and whatnot. I'm assuming. Well, so that definitely means the soon find out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's only one way to find we'll out. Find out, right? <laughs> yeah. We do got some Patreon money saved up, so yeah, we should definitely go there for a field trip. <laughs> um, but I, but the higher you go, the more expensive it is. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I, not not. Not necessarily. Like uh, you cut me off on uh, newcomer. Newcomers are on the bottom first floor, sure. And yeah, your third floor is the famous uh, porn porno actresses. Second floor is blah blah blah. Is the one where like all the sex workers work out. Actually, like they have a silent bar in the top floor where I guess like it's one it's one way mirror and girls are in, uh, they have different actresses in bikinis that will serve you drinks and can't talk to them. But I don't know, man. It's kind of like that Madonna. It's video. weird. Well, we'll, we'll just have to check it out in person, man. I, what more? I don't know what uh, more you want me to say. Do you but, think? Uh, yeah, man. It's it's and again, admission is five bucks. You you got to pay for your drinks and shit after that. But like you know, it's five bucks to get in. So I was like, hee hee hee. It's not bad. Uh, it's going to be an interesting experience for five dollar. You know the the drinks. It doesn't say. Have like oh, wait, sorry, wait, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, that, it's buried at the end. Uh, it's set to open October tenth. That's tomorrow. Oh shit! Like literally tomorrow. tomorrow. Holy shit! That is tomorrow. Shit. Holy shit! Gonna field trip. Yeah, I guess. Alan, so. me a flight. It's opening on a Saturday. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! Oh my god! I, I swear to God, the one thing about that place is when you go in there, you gotta wear fucking old sneakers because when you walk out, your sneakers are gonna be sticking to the floor like a motherfucker, dude. Scring, 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 scring. You might as well just wear sandals. Oh god! Do you think that the drinks there all have? Oh, sandals would be worse, dude. Fucking protect your feet. Ew! You're you're right on the old sneakers part, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you there. What you think people are gonna be jizzing all over your fucking feet while you're in there? Possibly. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> Depends which bar you're in. I, I imagine it's definitely the type of place where you wouldn't want to shine a black light around. Oh no, probably not. Yeah. Dude, I know. Like yeah, I, I know. I know. People say, yeah, you know, oh, it looks yet. like Jackson Pollock paint, painting. Like, no, I, I imagine just like everything would glow. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane do you think that the drinks are all gonna have like interesting names like sex on the beach or the uh the blowjob jameson shot or something 
I imagine. Why wouldn't they? I mean, like, dude, if, if it's going to be adult, like the, this playground for, you know, adult Disneyland, you might as well fucking, there's no, you can't just lean into it. You got to fucking dive head first into it, right? And brace that shit, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I hope it's going to be hardcore and not very tourist core because a lot of places now are kind of like catering yeah. towards the tourists. So if you go in there and it's like very touristy, it's going to kind of suck. Actually, right now, there's not that many tourists. So the time to go would be right now because once they open up the oh, flights for tourism, yeah, it's going to be fucking insane, dude. There's going to be fucking just all sorts of people this speaking is- English and Spanish and German all waiting in line trying to get in. So now's the time to go. No, 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 dude, that's that's what I'm gonna say, man. Like, you think this place gives a fuck about tourists? I assure you, they do not, man, because they're opening it now. There are no fucking tourists here. There to go. So, hey, listen to what I'm saying. The thing is, though, I'm saying if you want to go, now's the time to go because there's no tourists in Japan, right? But later, if you go later, it's gonna be full of tourists. So now's the time to go if you're gonna go to that place. They don't care about tourists. They love tourists. Everybody loves tourists. And 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 by me, you really mean we, because like, dude, this has got to be a field trip, man. If we're gonna go there, we, we got to fucking go all in on this, man. It's gotta be a field trip. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. I said it like three times. Yeah, yeah. And you, you yeah, guys need to get early before they figure out any of the loopholes. You guys got to get in there early before they they cotton on to all of the tip the tricks that you guys are gonna be able to get away with. Oh, that's right, Tom. You gotta mm. wear your shoes that have cameras at the bottom of them and stuff. Yeah, you know, so I mean, <laughs> go yeah, in there. You go. In six months' time, they're gonna be checking out for that sort of shit. You guys like, have got to be early adapters. You got to be ahead of the curve. You got to be the first ones in. You got to be onto that shit. Is your name Tom Ellis? No, <laughs> but close. My name is Steve Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs. Well, we like jobs in this place, especially blow jobs. So come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, this is your cheer. Good one, good one. Have a seat, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's fantastic, Tom. What a fucking great story. What A story with a happy ending, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. It's definitely a happy ending. So I, I thought you, I, Johnny, I knew, I knew you, you would enjoy this and, like, guys from there. And I, I figured you might get a kick out of this one as well, right? I knew Charlie's going to love it. He, he's not even talking. That guy's, like, speechless. <laughs> he's like what what really there's a place what what really <laughs> i'm just joking man jaws on the floor man <laughs> what people do that i'm uh, bad uh you guys all right thank you so much for being on the show it's been a lot of fun a ton of laughs oh my goodness um you know what i think the next time we all get together we should drink for a half an hour before we do the show so i'm jumping right into it because right now yeah. i'm having a blast dude holy smokes we gotta warm up we didn't warm up we didn't have Good the time one. but um yeah next time let's definitely do that and um also i just want to say one more time thank you you guys are fucking awesome. And I would love to have you guys on the stage here in Japan again. You guys fucking rocked it. And um, yeah, I think every venue in Japan would love to have you. You were here only in Tokyo for what, 10, 12 days. Next time you come here, you guys got to hit up Osaka, Nagoya. You guys got to hit up like Fukuoka. There's some amazing venues on the West Coast and the North side of Japan that you got to check out. East Coast, eh, it's all right. But the West Coast, that's the way to go. Um, <laughs> Shit, before we sign off, can you plug your stuff one more time, please? You can find our shit at therinmusic.bandcamp.com. 
from there, you'll be able to listen to all our shit, find our shit on YouTube and all the social medias and that kind of shit. If you want to buy our shit, you can buy that shit there at Bandcamp. They're in music.bandcamp.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-I-N. Yeah. In case anyone fucks it up, because they always seem to. Yeah, everyone spells that name wrong. <laughs> oh, dude, thank you so much. And, Peters, once again, all that jazz is going to be in the show notes. So go down to the show notes, click on that, and support these guys, because these guys are incredible. And if you got a venue somewhere, I don't care where it is, North Korea, South Korea, Russia, America, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Chile, we do not care if it's even in Estonia. Book these guys, dude. They will travel if you got a place for them. Guys, thank you so much. Yes, please. Definitely. On that note, faders, <laughs> thank you very much for tuning into this very special episode of Got Faded Japan. And um, you know what to do. We've got iTunes. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review and write something groovy. That means a lot to us. If you guys got a little bit of a cash, you've got a little bit of coin in your pocket, spend it on Got Faded Japan's Patreon page. We've got so much content on there. And by supporting us, we support you by getting more and better interviews. Like today, we've got Theron. Fucking guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. And also, on top of all of that, we've got a Facebook and we've got a Instagram page. And all that shit is free. Go there. Every single day we're updating it. And there's tons of content there. Go there. Get a beer. Get your fade on. And fucking check that shit out for hours and hours and hours. Because there's so much content. And after you do that, go to the Patreon. Support the Patreon because there are fucking days of content on that shit, dude. So go there and support that. Thank you very much. Darren, thank you so much for being here. You guys are fucking incredible. Buy their CD, support these guys. And um, definitely, do you guys got t-shirts yet? You guys got t-shirts, right? That we will. Soon. <laughs> Once these guys get t-shirts, buy their t-shirts, dude, because fucking- They'll all be on, on, that, on, the, on the same page. On the same page. And we can use your track for the end of the show, right? Yeah. Awesome. And uh, through the threshold, wait, wait, through the threshold, right? That's the one. That's the one. So, faders, without further ado, enjoy Through the Threshold. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye.
brother, a goddamn shit soaking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! Are you sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.